Today is the 1st of February, 2019, and this is Fearmonger Friday, where we discuss the new Cold War news of the day. Today, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced that the U.S. would withdraw from the INF. The 180-day withdrawal clock starts ticking tomorrow, Saturday, while the doomsday clock, our favorite Cold War-era fear-mongering metaphor, remains at two minutes to midnight. So, what is the INF? Why is the INF, and why has the administration of Donald J. Trump decided to leave the INF? And what does that mean for the future of humanity? Or at least for European security. All of that right here today on the Cold War Vault. Let me take you back to 1976. The Soviet Union had just deployed its new medium-range missile, Pioneer, which was appropriately named Raketa Sredni Dalnasti Pioneer, or medium-range missile, Pioneer. A medium-range missile, or an MRBM, is sometimes called a theater ballistic missile, and it has a range of less than 3,500 kilometers. So sometimes it's defined as maxing out at 3,000 and as low as 1,000. The U.S. had the Pershing II in the 1980s. It was canceled in 1991. And the Jupiter back in the late 1950s. The Soviets had a bunch. They had the R-4, the R-5, R-12, RT-15, all the Scuds. They rolled out the RSD-10, called the SS-20 Sabre by NATO, in 1976. Um, And rolled out is a pun. It was on a road mobile launcher. Well, this was a problem for Europe because of its mobility. And mobility was a problem because of its range, and range is a problem because of warning times. And warning time is something I'll come back to in a minute. But let's look at the threat. The missiles could be driven to the frontier of the Warsaw Pact countries or into any tactical situation and launch against NATO forces, uh, whether they were nuclear or conventional. So the missile had a range of 600 to 7,500 kilometers. And this meant that the warning time of a medium-range missile could be just a few minutes. Not enough to retaliate or use an anti-ballistic missile system to defend the troops or the facility. So in response, the Pershing IIs would eventually be deployed to West Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, and Belgium. All of the back and forth is complicated, but basically the U.S. decided to deploy the Pershing IIs to replace older missile systems. So in December 1979, NATO undertook the so-called double-track decision. So the double-track decision was a two-policy solution to the problem of the Soviet medium-range missile threat. It offered a diplomatic path to reducing the threat 
of the new weapons. So between 1981 and 1983, there were intense negotiations, but they ended up deadlocked. The Soviet Union asked for a cancellation of the Pershing II deployment, and it would in turn offer equal reductions in its SS-20 deployment. Uh, The U.S. deployed the Pershings anyway, and the Soviets walked out of the negotiations. In 1985, with a new Soviet leader in Mikhail Gorbachev and a renewed interest on Reagan's part in preventing World War III, which is something we will go into another time, uh, the negotiations started again. In 1986, the famed Reykjavik summit solidified some of the mutual goals, and the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, or the INF, was born. It was signed on the 8th of December, 1987, and came into force on the 1st of June, 1988, with all of the destruction of the listed missiles to be done by 1991. It eliminated all of the nuclear and conventional missiles designed to fly between 500 and 5,500 kilometers, and the world was saved until the U.S. accused the Soviet Union, recently rebranded the Russian Federation, of developing and testing the SSC-8 cruise missile, first in 2008 and then 2014 and then in 2017. Naughty, naughty. So back on October 20th, 2018, uh, the U.S. announced the intention of withdrawing from the INF. And this was in large part due to Donald Trump's assertion that Russia had been in violation of INF for years, which, of course, it kind of has. Cruise missiles. Glad the U.S. doesn't have anything like that. Okay, actually, what about those cruise missiles? A uh, 1 to 2,000 kilometer range puts the U.S. Tomahawk squarely in the intermediate range category, and it's totally capable of carrying a nuclear weapon. It used to carry the W-80, in fact, which, and I'm only asking, could it be a coincidence that the W-80 was selected for refurbishment and redeployment in 2014? Well, the Tomahawk doesn't count, and this is because if a missile is launched from a ship at sea, the INF has nothing to say about it. But if you launch the same missile from a tube on land, it does. So the Russians have also been annoyed by the increasing deployment of U.S. UAVs, like the Reaper or the Predator B, which are capable of carrying nuclear weapons within the prohibited distances and from land-based installations. So the U.S. and Russia have been mutually violating this hazy language of the INF for decades. But that isn't the point. The point was to get an overabundance of those short warning time missiles out of Europe. Did it do that? Sort of. Except that the U.S. and Russia are the only signatories to the treaty, so no one else can be in violation. France, for instance has a whole bushel of nuclear-armed cruise missiles. So today, the clock has started on finally, officially withdrawing from the INF, 
which has kept a lid on at least a few of these weapons since 1991. Why, I would ask, would that be in the interest of the United States? Well, CNN ran a story that quoted a senior U.S. administration official who denied Beijing is a factor. He said, quote, There's a lot of discussion about China. It is a reality that China is unconstrained. It is a reality. They have more than a thousand of these weapons. But for the United States, this has nothing to do with China. This is solely about Russia's violation of this treaty. That means it's definitely all about China. China, not a signatory to the INF, has been expanding its intermediate-range missile forces for years. It has deployed the DF-26 ballistic missile, which some have called the Guam killer. And what is more, it has a circular error probable, a CEP, that is so low that it can effectively hit an individual aircraft carrier. And of course, a nuclear weapon expands the effective radius of destruction. U.S. aircraft carriers in the Western Pacific have been the staple of American dominance in the region since the Second World War. Now, because the INF Treaty imposes these restrictions on the development of medium and intermediate range ballistic missiles on the United States, the only thing that the U.S. military is left with are Tomahawk missiles, Tomahawk cruise missiles, that can carry nuclear weapons, but they are launched from naval vessels, which are, of course, vulnerable to Chinese intermediate range missile attack. So ground launch systems with the appropriate range bearing nuclear warheads would be extremely useful for acting as a counter to Chinese dominance and Chinese expansionist tendencies in the region. In Guam, in Japan, in northern Australia, this would allow the movement of a nuclear strike or deterrence capability away from sea-based platforms and onto hardened land platforms. And this could really effectively counter Chinese projection of strength in the region. So, a new arms race? Yes, probably. But with Russia? Not at all. The sleeping dragon stirs, my friends. Thanks for listening to this short Friday fear-mongering episode and commentary on current events. Hope to have you back to listen to regular episodes. My continuing series on the NESC will be out soon. I am DJ Kinney, and I will see you next time.